So you all should be awake now after that because that was great. But we're going to run a little test here just to make sure. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Indeed he is. And we are in the season of Easter. Easter is not just a day, my friends. Uh, this whole season between the day that we call Easter and the day that we know as Pentecost is in the life of the church, the season of Easter, a time for us to remember stories that help us uh, affirm the resurrection, the presence of the risen Christ, and also the story of the church as it began to live into that story of the risen Christ and that good news. And so this year, um, we decided that in these weeks between Easter and Pentecost, we would take a look at some of the stories that we find in the book of Acts that tell us about the early church and how the Spirit was at work stirring things up in the communities where the church was being planted and growing and coming to be this powerful witness to what God was up to in the world. So this morning, we're going to look at one of those stories that comes to us from the ninth chapter of Acts. Before we do, let me just share this. So, you know, if we look at this story, but at lots of other stories through Acts, um, time and time again, uh, we may catch ourselves going, wow, uh, Bert Burleson, the university chaplain at Baylor University says that story after story brings surprise after surprise that keeps us on our toes. And, and, and with each one that comes, we might find ourselves saying, well, how about that? Ever do that when you listen to one of the stories from these pages? So today we're going to look at one of those stories and um, it is the story of the raising of Tabitha. So follow along as I read our scripture for us today. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. Her life overflowed with good works and compassionate acts on behalf of those in need. About that time, though, she became so ill that she died. After they washed her body, they laid her in an upstairs room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, when the disciples heard that Peter was there, they sent two people to Peter, and they urged him, please come right away. Peter went with them. Upon his arrival, he was taken to the upstairs room. All the widows stood beside him, crying as they showed the tunics and other clothing Dorcas made when she was alive. Peter sent everyone out of the room, <clears throat> then knelt and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, saw Peter, and sat up. He gave her his hand and raised her up. Then he called God's holy people, including the widows, and presented her alive to them. The news spread throughout Joppa, and many put their faith in the Lord. Peter stayed for some time in Joppa with a certain tanner named Simon. This is the word of God for the people of God, and God's people say, thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit. 
and breathe life into the words that I speak, that they might carry a word from you into our hearts and lives today. Amen. I know what some of you are thinking. As you hear this story today or thinking about having read it or heard it in the past, you're asking the question, could this really have happened? Or maybe, maybe some of you are, are stating it a little more in a definitive manner and saying, there's no way that really happened. Or maybe some of you are, are asking that question in a little bit different way. If, if it could happen then in the story of the early church, why doesn't it happen now. We don't have a present-day example, most if not all of us, to, to, to relate it to. What I want to suggest to us this morning is that there is room for us all to gather around this story, no matter how we find ourselves hearing it. There is room for those who readily accept it at face value that it happened exactly the way literally it is presented here in the book of Acts. There is room for those who doubt or who wonder or who question. After all, we are in good company in this season of Easter when we doubt because we get as one of our stories in the days after Easter the story of Thomas, one of the original 12 who himself doubted. And there is room for those of us who wonder as we listen to this story about Tabitha why it couldn't have happened for one of our loved ones, for somebody in our day and time. What I want to say this morning is that as we look at this story and spend a few minutes pondering its power for us in the present moment, that the key for all of us to hear it will not be getting bogged down in the details of how or what, but to focus on the why. Why is it that this story is captured in the book of Acts? Why is it that it was important for the early church to keep on telling it so that it would be in our scripture to this day? And why is it important for the church today to continue to remember and to tell the story that we find here? So let me offer a few thoughts on that. The first is when we look at the way stories in the book of Acts parallel stories that we find in the Gospels, accounts of Jesus' own ministry. And we get two examples of that right here in the verses that we read this morning and in the verses just before them. So maybe you heard in the passage that Peter was in a town called Lydda. And while he was in Lydda, the book of Acts tells us that he encountered a man named Aeneas. And Aeneas was paralyzed. And Peter went to Aeneas, and he said to Aeneas, Aeneas, Jesus heals you. Get up and walk and make up your bed. That sound like another story you ever heard anywhere? 
Jesus healing the man who was paralyzed when his friends bring him before him. And Jesus tells him to get up and to walk. And then if we reflect back on another story from Jesus' life in the Gospel of Mark in the fifth chapter, there's an account where a man named Jairus comes begging Jesus to heal his daughter who is very ill. And maybe you remember the story that Jesus is on his way with Jairus to do that very thing, but along the way, he encounters a woman who needs his healing presence as well, and so he pauses. And in that time frame, Jairus' daughter, the scripture tells us, dies. But Jesus goes with Jairus anyway, and when he gets to the place where they have laid the child and where they have tended to her body, Jesus goes in and he speaks to the child and he says, Talitha kumi, which means child or daughter, get up. And she does. And it should not be lost on us, the similarities that we see here between the two stories. Talitha kumi, Tabitha Peter says, get up. So what we have here in these stories about Peter, which really aren't about Peter, right? But they just involve Peter. And in stories that are across the pages of the book of Acts, is the evidence that the power of God's love continues to be at work in the early church, continuing to heal and restore and bring new life just as it did in Jesus' own life and ministry. The book of Acts is making sure that we don't miss the fact that indeed Christ is risen. And because Christ is risen, the power of the Spirit of Christ is at work in the world through the disciples and through the church, changing hearts and changing lives and making an impact through its ministry of healing and restoration and good news. Then there is the presence of Tabitha herself in our story today. You know, we learn a lot about this woman in just a few short verses. One of the first things we hear is that we are told that there is a disciple named Tabitha. Fun fact, interesting fact, this is the only place in Scripture, in the New Testament, where the feminine version of the word disciple is used, mathetria. Now, we know that there were other women who were a part of Jesus' ministry who were in that group that followed Jesus and were actually disciples of Jesus, but the only place the word gets used in reference to a woman in the New Testament is here talking about this woman. Tabitha, something is significant about the life and the work of this particular woman. We also hear that she is a woman of means. For one thing, the story tells us that after they have prepared the body, they have placed her in an upstairs room. Not every dwelling place, not every house would have had an upstairs room room. 
in those days. In fact, most would not have. And so that in itself tells us something. But then we also hear about the work that she has done, the compassion that she has shown on people who live in that community, offering care through her gift of sowing. The widows, we're told, are quick to point out this ministry when Peter arrives. They show him the tunics and the other clothing that she has made as an expression of care for people who are vulnerable and in need in that community. That legacy of Tabitha's lives on to this very day. Here in Trinity and in United Methodist congregations around the world and in congregations of other denominations, you will often find a group or a circle called the Dorcas group. And that is a group that carries on that ministry of care through sewing items that provide compassion to others. Perhaps on your way in today, you saw our United Women of Faith with their table set up, and on it there were some examples of the work that our women here have done. One of those examples is this prayer shawl that is up on the altar today. Prayer shawls that can be given to persons during a severe illness or hospitalization. Beanies that are taken to NICUs for premature babies to wear. Larger beanies taken over to Kids Count for kids to have there and to Grace Marketplace for persons to have some shelter and some warmth from the cold. Breast cancer pillows to be provided to patients. All these ways in which our women here and other women in other places are carrying on the tradition of Dorcas, of Tabitha. So what we see is that Tabitha's life is an embodiment, an early church embodiment of Christ's own life, continuing that witness of love and service to the world around her. And the story becomes an affirmation of that witness as well as an affirmation of God's care for those widows and for others who depended on Tabitha's compassion in her community. And the story of Tabitha's raising is an assurance to the church then and to the church now that resurrection is not just for Jesus. There is a promise here about the resurrection that is for all of us, my friends. And then there's also Peter's part in this story. Peter, the one who at a critical point in Jesus' ministry was the one to speak out who he was boldly and in that moment was addressed by Jesus as the one who would be known as the rock, the one on whom he would build the church. And yet that strong one, the rock, is the one who just a few weeks ago we remembered as the one who in those final hours before Jesus' death didn't even have the courage, the guts to acknowledge that he knew Jesus but denied him 
But then remember that, that it was Peter who we remembered on Easter morning that when the women came back from the tomb and it was empty and they had been given the good news and they came to share it with the others, everybody else doubted them. But Peter is the one who went running back to the tomb to check it out for himself. And then there's Peter and the others back at work again, back at their old craft when Jesus shows up in the days after his resurrection on the beach and invites them to breakfast and then pulls Peter aside to remind him how much he loves him, to remind him that he is forgiven and to remind him of the calling that is his to still pick up the mantle and do the work of carrying the gospel out into the world. And so in these stories that we find in, the, in Acts today, we see the evidence that Peter is. And at the end of the story, there's just this little hint that there's still something new, something more coming for Peter and his witness. It feels like a throwaway sentence if you don't realize that it's there. But the last verse in our passage this morning tells us that Peter decided to stay for a while in Joppa. And he went to stay at the home of Simon the Tanner. The one responsible for handling the hides of animals, which would have been deemed as an unclean, dirty job. And of course, in that moment, Luke is pointing us ahead to another story that's coming, the story of Peter and Cornelius. But Claire will tell you about that one next week. That one's coming. The Spirit stirring things up surprising us again and again. What we see in the book of Acts and in this story of Tabitha's raising today are examples of disruption because where the Spirit of the Lord is, things do not have to remain the same. They do not have to keep on being the way they have always been. And so our response to this story really is not so much about whether or not we can wrap our brains around the idea of the resuscitation of a body. The question for us is, are you willing to believe that the power of God's love is still at work in the world today to disrupt the tired, old, death-dealing, life-stealing ways of the world. I found my own story and life intersecting with this question just this past week. Am I willing to believe Am I willing to trust, especially beyond what I can see and know 
on my own. I serve currently as part of a task force on anti-racism with other clergy and lay in our Florida Conference of the United Methodist Church. And the particular task force that I'm serving on right now is one that is focused on public policy and witness. What is the witness of the church and people of Christian faith to be like at a time when there is so much division, so much fracture, and how do we help ensure that policy and structures and systems do not unnecessarily or even sometimes unintentionally create hardship for people, especially people of color? And it is hard work because not everybody wants to hear about that. And sometimes it feels daunting and sometimes the odds seem insurmountable in terms of bringing people together for conversation and to hope for change and it can even feel like it is impossible. And when those feelings bubble up, I start to be ambivalent to be doubtful, to be skeptical, and to ask myself the question, can this really happen? Is it really possible for us to hope for something new here? And then I remember. I remember the places where I have seen the power of God's love show up before doing things that I could not have imagined possible. Restoring a marriage that seemed like it was beyond the brink. Healing an addiction that had lasted for more than a decade. Raising up an entire community of orphans to move from being vulnerable to whatever somebody was willing to give them on the streets, to being leaders and small business owners in their communities. We do that work together, church, participate in that through Zoe. I think of these examples and others. And then I hear Jesus saying, Stephen, it's time to get up. And by the grace of God, I will. And I hope, I hope that wherever you need the power of God's love to break in, for the spirit to do a work of restoration or healing or raising up newness of life in your being, that you will too. Will you pray with me? Holy God, how often we underestimate you. Underestimate the power of your love to break through and to do something new beyond our expectations. 
beyond our knowledge. May we lean into the presence of your Spirit that we might trust more deeply and say yes to your invitation to get up. Amen.